Uh, this is Skip Lockwood, and you're listening to Mets Musing. I was a pitcher, a relief pitcher, a closer with the New York Mets. I have a new book out called Inside Pitch, Mets Musing. Thank you very much. This, this is, is Len and Jeff, Jeff from Baseball and, and Barbecue. And the one place to go for New York Mets news, past week game reviews, upcoming series previews, interviews, analysis, opinion, and, and what's, what's going, going down, down on the farm. farm. It's, it's Mets Musings with Gary Mack. So keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. Episode number three. 37? I don't know. I kind of lost count. Anyway. Wow. As I record this, the Mets have completed game one of a doubleheader against the Philadelphia Phillies, and they won that game. I don't even know what the... It was an immensely obscene score. Uh, what the final was is 24 to 4. Yes, 24 runs. That's 40 runs in two days for the Mets. Unbelievable. So uh, maybe they found a hit and shoes. I don't know. But what we're going to do tonight is something a little bit different. I was a guest on another podcast called the Metsian Podcast, and we're going to run that tonight and as we discuss all of these with Michael Colant, the Brooklyn Charlie blogger and uh, so he's going to be on my show I'm going to be on his show and we'll see how it all works out so that's going to start right after these massages so take a listen and enjoy Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shoftaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the Internet today about their teams. But it always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com or at baseballpodcast.net. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a Ph.D. in life through baseball. With BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. 516-619-6341. That is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at metsmusings1. 
with all the Mets news. It is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. Music, music makes me want to put on my Don Johnson outfit back to Miami Vice <laughs> in the 80s in the Mets. Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Colin. I'll be hosting this evening's episode of the Metsian Podcast. And I'm not alone. Although Sam and Richard are here, I have a special guest, Gary McDonald from MetsMusings.com. Hello, Gary. Hello, Michael. How are you, my friend? Long time no talk. It has been too long, in fact. Uh, wonderful having you on each and every time. Uh, you're such an entertaining person to uh, speak Mets with. Uh, so I'll give out my shameless plug. Uh, aside from a Metsian podcast, you can get my shtick at a Brooklyn Trolley Blogger dot com. I just like to talk about all the local sports, uh, but in particularly the Mets. So, uh, Gary, that said, why don't you give us a little bio of yourself? Okay, well, I host uh, Mets Musings at MetsMusings.com, in case nobody uh, knows that, and I hope you all check it out. It's a weekly podcast, and we kind of talk about the same things. Um, I, I take I do a solo show, so I kind of take a different spin than uh, the Metsian guys do, but uh, always nice to be on with them and have them on as guests. And I do have guests on, uh, I have authors sometimes, and I've had Peter Alonzo on and Wayne Randazzo. So uh, I try to get some guests on that, that are going to be interesting and pertinent to the Mets, uh, Met fans. And uh, Michael, it's been a rough year so far. How's it though? I mean, on the field and the weather. The weather's been stifling <laughs> and, and, and the rain's been coming down in buckets. What gives? I I don't know. I'm not a weatherman. I guess you got to ask Mike Trout about that. But um, <laughs> it's it's definitely been you know, uh, crazy. You, you brought up an interesting name, one that uh, I don't think either one of us had any plans on mentioning, but let, let, let's talk about him real quick now that he, he's topical. Peter Alonzo, he's tearing up the Pacific Coast League. Uh, Met fans are just clamoring to see him in Flushing. I think it might be a little too early. There's nothing going on. And, and if you listen to this three-headed monster that we call a GM, uh, they're looking to backlog all kinds of people at first base. So your impressions of Peter Alonzo? I uh, I found Peter to be a very nice young man, very studious, a hard worker. He he wants to improve. Uh, when I talked to him, I think it was last November, or so he was uh, just back or or going to uh, Arizona Instructional League, and he was going to work on his defense primarily. And uh, he has worked on his defense a lot. He has improved. I've watched so many games on uh, MILB TV, and he's he's come a long way. Is he a gold glove? Uh, no. Um, but he's not uh, Dick Stewart, the uh, Captain Strange glove, uh, you know, um, and, and he's the type of kid that's willing to work. And, and as you say, he's just tearing it up there. 
and I don't know what else he has left to prove. And, you know, sometimes you get concerned because you don't want to lose a kid like this either because he could be your, your first baseman for the next 10 years. And I get nervous because, you know, this is kind of what they did to Duda in a way. Uh, you know, they, they kept Duda down, then they tried to put him in left field, and then as soon as they put him in first base, bam, 30 home runs, and he was hitting. And uh, look, I know he's he's not great, Duda, but um, this kid looks like he's something really special, and I saw him playing Brooklyn, liked him. Uh, as I said, I've seen him on TV a few times this year. He's really, uh, uh, really a good kid, and, and I really think that they should at least bring him up in September. I, uh, I also, I also caught him here in Brooklyn, playing for the Cyclones last year. On one of my road trips, uh, I went to Binghamton after the Hall of Fame, and I caught him there. Uh, and I, I liked what I saw. I mean. Very small sample size, one game. Mm-hmm. But uh, he looked comfortable. He he made two plays in first base, uh, relatively trouble-free. So, uh, I, I mean, look, the, the Mets are on their way towards another 90-loss season. Why not have him up, right? Exactly. But that being said, you know, isn't it weird how the minor leagues works out? I mean, the guy was tearing it up with a very respectable batting average throughout his minor league career. Now he gets the Pacific Coast League, and he's batting like <laughs> 230 or so. I, I didn't look at the exact number. You know, but that's not your prototypical uh, Pacific Coast League number. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's a, a meteoric uh, rise that he went through, and I think he just got – uh, you know the pitches are a little bit tougher AAA, and I think he just got in the uh, in a bit of a slump. But uh, from what I under what I last read the other day, I think he's hitting over the last I don't know how many games, ten, twelve games. He's hitting like three forty five, and uh, so he he's found his way. He's made his adjustments, and um, he is really starting to hit. And even when he wasn't hitting that well, he was still hitting for some power. So. Uh, you know, and this, this is what this organization talks about all the time. Power, power, power. It just seems now with this three-headed monster, are we going in a totally different direction and they're not telling anybody? Because all of a sudden now, <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, Callaway is hitting and running and they're trying to steal bases. And, and I don't get me wrong, I like it. But, uh, you know, pitches are sacrifice bunting. I mean, I, I have to shake my head and look at it. And, um, you know, was could Sandy have been the cause of all these problems the last couple of years? I don't know. Uh, I, I will put some things on, on his docket. Uh, but obviously the way the organization is run, as a whole, organizationally, I have to look at the Wilpons. So, yeah, there are some things I will put on Sandy Alderson, but most things I will put on ownership. Uh, you know what? Let's transition to that, because I caught a couple of articles over the last two weeks or so, and here's one of them. The three-headed monster or Jeff Wilpon or all four, they've already announced that Mickey Calloway is coming back regardless of the next GM. Now, let me take you back a little bit. Uh, Newsday wrote a report how Fred Wilpon protect, protected uh, Terry Collins from both Sandy Alderson and Jeff Wilpon, whom both were seeking his termination. 
Uh, you know, that's common knowledge. A month later, Newsday comes out with a second article saying that after a lengthy lunch with Fred Wilpon, Mickey Calloway became the number one contender. And then a third article, uh, what, as recently as perhaps two weeks ago, or maybe even three weeks ago, the Mets announced that Mickey Calloway will indeed be returning next season, regardless of a new GM. Uh, I have one word to sum up uh, those three <laughs> specific Newsday articles, which is meddling, something we've heard before. Uh but now that you mentioned Callaway, what do you think of that scenario? I mean, three articles within the last, more or less, let's call it the last calendar year. What do you think? Well, I, I think that uh, Callaway got uh, dealt a bad hand, I think. Uh, he seems like a nice guy. Really? He seems intelligent. I'm a, I, you know, uh, they have made progress with the pitching staff. Uh, look, just look at Zach Wheeler's turnaround. The bullpen's another issue. But, you know, we've talked about bullpens before. They're so finicky. They're up, they're down. You know, one year they, nobody can hit them. The next year they can't get anybody out. Same guy, same pitches. It just, just it happens that way. I don't know why, but it's just a, a weird situation. Um, I, I think... Where they did Callaway a disservice was, I still think the weak link on this team was Gary DeSarcina. They should have had a National League bench coach there with him from the beginning. I said this over and over and over again. So if there was a question of strategy or something like that, you have somebody that's got experience in this league. Having an American League coaching staff I don't think did him well and and I think it forced him maybe to make more decisions and I think I think Sandy was making a lot of was over his shoulder making a lot of decisions and I don't think that's happening as much now so because uh, Sandy is out I don't think the three-headed monster is doing that um, I don't think Jeff and Fred are are overly over his shoulder telling him what to do. And, um, I, you know, they seem to be playing better baseball now. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, I agree with you a million percent. Uh, kind of lost my train of thought here for a second. In the <laughs> fact that uh, Callaway, you know, I went so far as saying, yeah, his American League sensibilities are shining through. You need sunglasses sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you took it a step farther and named Gary DeSarcina, uh, you know, and, and that's the that's the part I never approached. Who would serve that role? And you're absolutely right. He really should have a a, a National League bench trying to you know help him maneuver through the National League game. Uh, so I agree with you a million percent. Uh, but before we, you know we get knee deep into this team, Gary, let's stick with the Cyclones for a second. I think that brings a smile to both our faces. <laughs> Uh, they're in a, <laughs> we got a less, we got less than a month to go. Okay. They're in second place. They're two games out of first place behind Hudson Valley, Hudson Valley, strong team from Very last good. year who won the, who won the division. Right. Uh, and they displaced the Lowell spinners and now they are one game behind Auburn and the Mahoning Valley scrappers. 
we have Jason Valera, who's just tearing things up on the mound. And at the plate, we have Ross Adolph. Mm-hmm. So your Brooklyn Cyclones impressions about them or anybody else? Well, they are very refreshing uh, to watch. Uh, you mentioned Ross Adolph, and he just put on a show during the uh, Penn League All-Star Game. He the, became the first ever Cyclone to take home the game's MVP award. So congratulations to Ross Adolph on on that. Um, he went two for three, got a triple homer and three RBI. Uh, he's having a pretty decent year at this level. Uh, and there were six Cyclones that were named to uh, – to the All-Star game. So they've they've had a good year. They've played good in points. They you know they struggled. They got swept I think by uh I think it was I don't know if it was three game sweep or four game sweep by Hudson Valley a couple of weeks ago in Hudson Valley so that hurt. But uh over and all, you know, um Edgardo Alfonso has got them playing pretty good. And they've got some good young players coming through. Now, whether or not that's going to convert, as you know, they had, you know, a couple of years they've had some good guys, and, and you know, a lot of them are gone now. Colby Woodmancy got released. I think Vinny Siena got released. And I thought they were pretty good scrappy ball players. Uh, A.J. Mazzilli or L.J. Mazzilli never made it anywhere. So, um, it's hard to tell at this level, but... Um, they they are playing some good team baseball and and they look pretty good and let's hope they can make the playoffs at least. Uh, agreed. Uh, we know the last two years haven't been uh, that great in Coney Island. Uh, this year they're doing much better, as we alluded to. Now my question to you is: When Gary, uh, Gary, excuse me, when <laughs> Paul D. Podesta was still here, he used to go after a lot of high school guys. And the Cyclones were doing well in return. Right. Uh, but when he left the organization and Sandy Alderson and his minions took over the draft, they went very, very college-heavy. Yes. And I think uh, the last two years have been uh, a negative reflection of that. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying that the college route uh, has not panned out over the last two seasons, not including this one. Well, I, I'll, I'll agree. Yes and no. Um because the, a couple of the guys that uh, last year, was last year, two years ago, they went heavily college with Justin Dunn and Anthony Kay, um, and those guys are having awesome years this year. So uh, at, yeah. at the Dunn is at Binghamton, I believe, and Kay, I think Kay is still at St. Lucie. Uh, he had a Tommy John, so he really missed a year. Um, but some of the flops that they've had over the last couple of years have been high school kids, if you think about it. Now, I, you know, it's, it's, I guess he's still too young, but Desmond Lindsay was a bomb. I mean, I, I, I didn't like him at Brooklyn. He's still struggling. I, I think he's at St. Lucie, but I can't swear to it. But you don't hear his name mentioned at all in, in any of the, the prospect talks anymore. Um, right. You know, there was a couple other guys. Uh, now, now some of their international guys. You know, I'm I'm looking kind of looking forward to next year with, in Brooklyn because that team, if they do it, I don't know if they'll do it. That team could be super next year. I mean, they could have Kellenick there, uh, maybe uh, Richardson, this kid they they drafted this year out of high school, who's in Gulf, the Gulf Coast League. Um. They could have some powerhouse next year, so we'll have to see. But, um, you know, 
it, it's such a crapshoot the draft that you don't know and and I thought along that lines too when they were drafting high school kids and and you know uh, and then they went to the college kids but but really some of the college kids have come through I mean you have Conforto uh, you have uh, as I said before Dunn uh, and Kay and uh, Peterson was from college. Um, so there's there's a, there's some talent down there, and they have some good free agent international free agent signing in the minors that uh, have really started to shine and have made everybody's prospect list. So, um, you know, it's hard to say whether it was the De Potesta effect, and and uh, clearly, Sandy had a couple of years of bad drafts there, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year was really uh, well. Two years ago wasn't bad. I mean, you, you got to say it's still pretty good. Uh, and and this year, clearly, so far, it's it's really been good. They got very high marks. So, you know, it's it's just it, it's hard to say it with these kids. It, it's been a refreshing season at Coney Island, nonetheless. Uh, right. I've been enjoying myself there this summer. Exactly. So uh, let's circle back to the big club now. Uh, and, and before we get to those guys on the mound and the position players, let's just talk about the team in general. Today, they, uh, well, they're still in the midst of a doubleheader. This afternoon, they destroyed the Phillies 24-4. to I guess that sort of wipes out the 25-4 loss to the Nationals. Uh, but look, lo and behold, all of a sudden, they're, they're hot. It, and it's obviously too late. And Cespedes isn't in the lineup. Bruce isn't in the lineup. Conforto isn't the Conforto we expected him to be yet. You know, they're, they're heating up. It's the dog days of summer. Uh, but, Gary, I think we all agree it's a little too, it's a little too late. So uh, I, I would suggest they modify their thinking instead of bogging down some of these positions with older players. But uh, what do you make of this hot stuff? You know, let me throw another stat out here before I throw it out to you. Uh, they ended the first half, and what I mean by the first half, right up until the All-Star break, uh, they went, what, 39 and 55. Not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're currently 52 and 67. Since the All-Star game, they are 13 and 12. Lo and behold. What do you make of that? <laughs> well, <laughs> I... <laughs> You know, I mean, I I could say Sandy's gone, and maybe that's a, a breath of fresh air went through the organizations. Uh, I I think they got some young guys that uh, people were clamoring about. Jeff McNeil come up and hit well and played very well, I think, uh, to my eye. Um, Conforto starting to hit a little bit. He he hit slowly. You know, he he's really struggled all year, and uh, but. You watch some of his games, he looks bad. He strikes out two times up, then the next two times up he gets a couple of hits. So, um, Yeah, well, he doesn't exactly <laughs> have the SWAT team around him. He has uh, no protection. So, uh, you know, I'll, yeah, that's, I'll that's be a, uh, a, a little bit lenient, you know? Uh, Nimmo was, has been a big surprise. Uh, 